It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 Three one three eight one. Four five six seven, or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And this is the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, January 10th, 2013. Thank you for being a part of the program tonight, and we look forward to your participation at 877-381-4567. You can also email questions at collegeview.com. And if you're watching us live tonight, the chat window to the right of your video window is open, and uh, we welcome you to sign in there. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is to my right. Hello, Dad. Jacob, great to join you tonight on the Virtual Bible Study. It's good to be with you as well. Look forward to an interesting discussion and uh, a continuation of what we did last week. we got Monty behind the board. Thanks, Monty, Monty thank for being you for here. being here tonight. Good to uh, be here. Um, we, last week, we were talking about extra-biblical guidance. Some people are taking the position that God guides, leads, directs yes. us in ways other than the Bible. Seems to be a little bit uh, more and more common. More prevalent view, and we talked about that last week. But we introduced a subject that we weren't able to cover thoroughly, and that is how the Bible is God's unique book in the world. And that it, it, when you contrast it to other religious documents, yes. it, it, the others pale by comparison. There's no, there's no legitimate comparison of with any other book compared to the Bible and all of its evidences that it is truly the inspired Word of God. So what we suggested last week is we want to develop that concept a little more thoroughly tonight. We want to talk about how the Bible and its inspiration is contrasted with other books like the Koran, the Book of Mormon, the writings of the Watchtower Society of the Jehovah's Witnesses, and so forth. All right, so maybe you're looking for answers, and maybe you're just here to gather information tonight. We're glad you're here. But maybe you have some background, and you've studied and researched uh, some of these other so-called holy books, holy writings. Let us know your thoughts, 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. We're really dealing with two weeks' worth of submissions here. You had asked some questions a week ago, and then uh, we didn't get to the, one of these answers, and then you asked some more questions today. Yeah, so we've got some holdover answers from last week, um, and then we got some more emails from this. We've got a whole lot of emails, a lot of response. We, we're still looking for more. We'd be glad for you to call us. Uh, to our update list earlier today, we sent out these questions that we want to develop more completely yes. this week. Uh and we want to compare the Koran, the Book of the Mormon, and the Watchtower Society publications with the Bible in regards to the fact that the Bible is a unified, harmonious document free of contradictions. Mm-hmm. What about those others? Okay. Number two, the Bible has hundreds of examples of fulfilled prophecy. What about those other books? Okay. Number three, the Bible is scientifically accurate. What about those other books? Number four, the Bible is free from absurd statements and claims. Yes. What about those other books? And finally, we kind of threw it open. If you have some other kinds of evidence that show that the Bible's inspiration significantly different from these other books, let us know what you think along those lines. All right. Look forward to your participation tonight. Again, 877-381-4567. The number's toll-free. The line is open, ready for you to call. All right. So let's just jump into this thing, Jacob. Uh, And the first thing we want to consider is that the Bible is a unique document that it is different from the rest because it is uh, harmonious, unified. It has no contradictions in it. Right. Uh, we got a lot of emails. Anthony responded and said, as mentioned last week, the Bible is astonishing. It's a harmony despite being written by dozens of men over millennia across multiple continents. I'm not familiar offhand with the contradictions in the Quran. I would not be surprised if a cursory examination reveals some. The Book of Mormon has many well-documented internal and biblical contradictions. Also have only read one or two Watchtower tracks, but I do know that a, a, a minimum, at a minimum, the society has contradicted itself insofar as it has claimed multiple dates for the supposed return of Jesus. Interesting. I think that Anthony is right on track there, and, I, and that's, you know, one of the most amazing things about the Bible. Let me let me just read through these facts about the Bible, and 
the fact that there are no contradictions when you cite these facts is really amazing. Yes. It was written by approximately 40 human authors. We say approximately because we're not sure of a few books who the human authors were. We call them authors, but actually maybe a better word there, Jacob, is human penman. God used human penman. The words are his. He used men to write them down. Correct. So you've got 40 men writing over a period of about 1,500 years because the oldest parts of the Bible were about 1,500 years before Jesus, the very first writings of the Old Testament. Yes. The New Testament was completed in the first century A.D. So you've got about 1,500 years there. That's a long time. That is a really long period of time. Yes. So you've got 40 men writing over a long period of time. What's that tell you? That tells you most of them didn't know each other. Obviously, a few did. It would be impossible for them. It would be impossible for them to know one another. Therefore, it would make it impossible for them to sit around a conference table somewhere and make decisions. You write this, and I'll write the same thing so we don't contradict each other. They couldn't do that. Right. And not only did they live in different times from one another, they lived in different locations. They even spoke different languages. Correct. They came from different backgrounds, social, economic, educational backgrounds. And yet when you put it all together, it is a perfect harmony. Now, I'm going to tell you, when you consider that, I mean, that's just impossible. It could never have happened without the divine guidance of God inspiring those men to write those stories. Right, and we have complicated themes. It's not that they're just writing about simple, everyday. These are complicated themes and a very developed story that's being told here and no contradictions. It is amazing. Now, along those lines, Monty, go ahead. You know, when you think about it with all those men, if the three of us sat down to write something that we was going to compare with like that, it's very unlikely that Greg could write his part, you could write your part, and I could write my part, and we could discuss it back together without having some kind of contradiction in it or some major point of contention in it. But we don't find that in the Bible. And these people, like we said, most of them couldn't have talked to each other, couldn't have compared notes to try to get it right. Monty, how many times have you and your wife been relating a story that happened to both of you to maybe someone else at a dinner table? And how many times does your wife have to interrupt and say, no, Bonnie, it didn't happen like that. Remember, you were doing something else, or the details are a little bit different. Even two people can't yes. always right. agree. Right. Yeah, that kind of thing happens amongst us right. all the time. And here you've got these roughly 40 people, 15, some of them 1,500 years apart, and they've got it harmonized with no contribution. All right. Now, along those lines, though, Stephen, I believe, is in Vermont. Yeah. He says uh, he has a question. About a year ago, I had a Bible study with a Muslim who claimed that the Bible was inferior due to mistakes in the Bible whereas none could be found in the Koran. Some were not really legit, but other questions I felt were more legit. One of the examples he pointed to was a comparison of 1 Kings 4, verse 26, and 2 Chronicles 9, verse 25, where one says 40,000, but the other verse says 4,000. I figured this just to be an error, uh, but was, uh, I figured this to be just an error, but what is an appropriate explanation for the difference in numbers? So I was unable to listen. Okay, and, uh, so he, he wants to know what about well, the difference in numbers? First, First Kings four twenty six and Second Chronicles nine twenty five. Okay, well it's there. Uh, he's right, and and the, the person who questioned about that is accurate. That's what I said. But you know that's a pretty obvious scribal error. Mm-hmm. Remember that during the the number a number a long number of centuries transpired wherein the Bible was being copied by hand. There were no mechanical copiers. There was no way to make a, a, a you know, a one-to-one copy of what had been originally handwritten. So you're getting handwritten copies of handwritten copies. And and you can find some places like that. that that's not the only one. There mm-hmm. are other. But you think about it. You're going to write 40,000. You're going to write 4,000. There's a, a difference of a zero there, you know, a decimal point. And, and so that's a pretty easily explained scribal or copyist error. Mm-hmm. There are others like that in the Bible. That does not stand as a true contradiction. Okay. All right. Let us know your thoughts. Those, those books, by the way, are obviously from the same time period. The, the, one, the, the ones who wrote those records of the kings, the book of Kings and in the book of Chronicles, uh, would have had access to that information. And so there's no – in other words, that's not an inspired truth. That's not like the Bible saying one place you must be baptized to be saved and saying in another place you don't have to be baptized to be saved. Now, that would be a contradiction. Yeah. This is just a difference in in a, a pretty obvious copying error by missing the decimal point. 
And so it doesn't stand as a true contradiction. All right. Let us know your thoughts. 877-381-4567. All right. Uh, we've shown the Bible is harmonious, and uh, which is amazing. But uh, what about some of the other books that we wanted? To well, look at I, I was going to. I was. I had some notes on the on. Uh, we're going to jump around here, some obviously. But for instance, just consider the the Book of Mormon in this regard. It contra it contradicts itself. What we might call contradictions of chronology. In other words, Whoa. they get time out of order. Oh, okay. Uh, in in the Book of Mosiah. Chapter 18, verse 17, that book was supposedly written 147 years B.C. They were called the Church of God or the Church of Christ from that time forward, and it came to pass that whosoever was baptized by the power and authority of God was added to his church. Wait a minute here. i got a problem. The church didn't. That, that's a hundred, That's uh, over 150 years before the church was established. Before Christ even came yeah. to the scene. Yeah. Hmm. But they were... Baptized. Okay. See, that's a contra- Now that's, now, that's a contradiction. A yeah, that's a problem. I see you're a problem saying there. something happened yeah. before it could have possibly happened. Oh yeah. Okay. Here's a, here's another one from Second Nephi, chapter thirty-one, verse twenty-one. And remember, this book was written supposedly five hundred years BC. That's what now. That's what the Mormons themselves claim. Wow. Okay. Now behold, my beloved brethren, this is the way, and there is none other way nor name given under heaven whereby man can be saved in the kingdom of God. And now behold, this is the doctrine of Christ. And the only true doctrine of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, which is one God without end. Amen. Mm-hmm. So he's saying that Jesus was the one way, the doctrine of Christ was the one way, over 500 years before the doctrine of Christ was ever delivered. Yeah, amazing. By the way, did you notice that? Sort of did you notice the yeah. distinct similarity to the there to the King James version of the New Testament? Sounds like Acts, maybe Acts chapter four, or? verse 12, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's, it's been studied, and I think something on the order of 16% of the Book of Mormon is a verbatim copy of the King James Version of the New Testament. Now, wait a minute. Now, the, the, the King James Version, 1611. 1611, and this was supposedly written 500 B.C. Where the so, King James, or 2,000 years earlier. The King James, they must have been copying from the Book of Mormon. Maybe. I don't know. Oh, okay. Sounds kind of goofy, doesn't it? Yes, it does. And, and then here's another. Book of Alma, chapter 7, verse 10. Behold, he shall be born of Mary at Jerusalem, which is in the land of our forefathers, she being a virgin, a precious and chosen vessel, who shall be overshadowed and conceived by the power of the Holy Ghost, and shall bring forth the Son, yea, even the Son of God. Um, mm-hmm. There it says Jesus would be born at Jerusalem. Oh, yeah. Jesus was born at Bethlehem. Uh-huh. If we establish that the Bible, here's, here's a point we've got to draw out. If we establish that the Bible is true and without error, then if these other books contradict the Bible, they got to be wrong. Yeah. And so the, the Book of Mormon's wrong there. It contradicts the Bible. Okay. And here's one other such contradiction from the Book of Helaman, chapter 14, verse 20. In the day that he shall suffer death, the sun shall be darkened and refuse to give his light unto you, and also the moon and the stars, and there shall be no light upon the face of this land, even from the time that he shall suffer death for the space of... Oh, three hours. Three days. The three Book of days. Mormon, yeah, the Book of Mormon says wow. three days. To that time he shall rise again from the dead. Darkness should cover the face of the whole earth for the space of three days. Oh, wow. Well, that's a contradiction. Yes, it is. The, the Bible says three hours. If we believe the Bible to be true and that the proofs are convincing that the Bible is true, then if a book like the Book of Mormon contradicts the Bible, it can't be true. All right. Well, I think we need to take a break. We need to look at the Book of uh, the, the Koran as well. And we want to know your thoughts about that. Have you studied the Koran? What do you think about it? Uh, do you believe it has the same claims of accuracy, validity, and inspiration that we have from the Bible? If you have any information along these lines, we welcome you to call us, 877-381-4567. We'll take a break and get your thoughts on the other side. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this. These guys are doing all of the talking. We need to hear from you. Call in now. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this. Hello, my name is Trent Haynes, and I'm a member of the College View Church of Christ. In a scanning of the book of Proverbs, it provides us several reasons to discipline our children. To show you don't hate them, he who spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is careful to discipline him, chapter 13, verse 24. To give them hope, discipline your son, for in that there is hope. Do not be a willing party to his death, chapter 19, verse 18. To help them for a lifetime, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not turn from it. Chapter 22, verse 6. To chase away foolishness. 
Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline will drive it far from him. Chapter 22, verse 15. To save his soul, do not withhold discipline from a child. If you punish him with a rod, he will not die. Punish him with a rod and save his soul from death. Chapter 23, verse 13 through 14. For your own comfort, discipline your child, and he will give you peace. He will bring delight to your soul. Chapter 29, verse 17. Parents need to read and understand these passages. So too should our children. Here's some quotes worth pondering. Unfortunately, some folks never learn that God's plan for us is better than our own. Many people permit themselves to be taught more by man than they are taught by the Lord, which accounts for the many differences in religion today. Faith is not a way of talking, but a way of walking. It's not a problem to answer, but a path to follow. It is the habitual loyalty of a disciplined life to a living and loving God. Man, I wish I'd said that. For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6. The virtual Bible study continues. And we're back on the program, and we're welcoming you back as well as we talk about uh, the Bible, compare it with other holy books, and ask uh, which one is valid. uh, Because... uh, Well, the Bible makes some pretty exclusive claims, and if it is correct, then these other books cannot be correct. And so we want to hear from you, 877-381-4567. Along those lines, Jason in Pennsylvania uh, suggests some problems with uh, the Book of Mormon. And he says, here's an interesting one. As far as I've been able to see, the Book of Mormon itself never claims to be from God. Internal evidence from the authors shows that they were not writing for God, but for themselves and from their memories with mistakes. Uh, not quite a claim of divine origin, he concludes. Uh, for instance, First uh, Nephi 1, verse 1, uh, And I know that the record which I make is true, and I make it with mine own hand, and I make it according to my knowledge. It's interesting. First Nephi 19, verse 6, Nevertheless, I do not write anything upon the plates, save it be that I think it be sacred. Now, and now if I do err, even did they err of old, not that I would excuse myself because of other men, but because of the weakness which is in me, according to the flesh, I would excuse myself. So the author even makes allowance for the fact that there will be mistakes in uh, the Book of Mormons. Interesting. Yeah, and then and, and he cites several others where basically they're not claiming perfection like the Bible claims perfection. Jacob 7, verse 6, and the record of this people being kept on the other plates of Nephi, Wherefore, I conclude this record declaring that I have written according to the best of my knowledge. Interesting. Uh, then he, he cites as contradictions the ones that we already cited. Alma 7, 9, 10, where it says Jesus would be born at Jerusalem instead of Bethlehem. Uh, First Nephi 19:45, which says there were three days of darkness when Jesus died. Then he mentions one other. He says it's just too funny not to mention. Ether 15, verse 30 it says, and I'm not familiar with this. Let me read it. I haven't even read this yet. It came to pass that when Coriantum had leaned on his sword, that he rested a little. He smote off the head of Shiz, and it came to pass that after he had smitten off the head of Shiz, that Shiz raised up on his hands and fell. And after that, he and after that he had struggled for breath, he died. So here's a guy without his head, uh, standing up, and then after a time not being able to breathe, he died. Mm. The man. Decapitated, but does not die instantly. He struggled for breath without a head. Interesting. Now, uh, I think that would go in the category that we mentioned. Absurdities. Uh, absurdities. So there you got some absurdities. We'll, we'll reference others in, in the, in the uh, Book of Mormon. Chris in Atlanta says the Book of Mormon contains many plagiarisms from the New King or from the King James version of the Bible. The plates containing the Book of Mormon were supposed to have been in the ground centuries before the King James Version was even completed. Yeah, and we mentioned that earlier. How did they end up with almost verbatim quotes of like 16% of the King James Version uh, of the uh, New Testament? And Ramona in Texas says the Book of Mormon was written by a man and not inspired by God. Joseph Smith was the author and tried to do miracles such as a prophecy, the test of a true prophet. She references Deuteronomy 18, 21, and 22, but he failed. He prophesied that the Lord would come in 1891 and was wrong. He prophesied that New York, Albany, and Boston were to be destroyed if they didn't accept Smith's word. They did not, but were not destroyed. Plus, there are many other prophecies that failed because he was not a prophet. Plus, the Book of Mormon contradicts itself. First Nephi 2, verse 8 says that the river Laman emptied into the Red Sea. From maps old and new, there has never been a river that has been emptied or that is emptied in the Red Sea. And Ether 15, 30, and 31, okay, uh, she references that same one that Jason uh, did. 
uh, his, his God ever let anyone live after his head was chopped off, uh, and so on and so on. So interesting. Okay, very good. Um, Chris in the U.K., we've got a, a holdover from him uh, uh, from last week in which he sent us just volumes. Uh, he sent us, I think, 23 pages of, of information last week and sent us six more this week. Um, and I, I really don't even know where to start because we obviously don't have time to read all of that. But he, he references just again and again and again and gives us long quotations from the Book of Mormon that talk about it being a contradic- being contradictory. And so, and then he also does the same uh, about the Koran. So we may get to some of that as we go along. So what are we saying here? On our, on our first point, our question was, the Bible is free from contradictions. How do these others stack up? We talked about the Book of Mormon. We might just reference the Quran just briefly, Jacob. Yes. Before I do that, I want to I maybe make a point that needs to be emphasized. I remember a number of years ago when I was in Russia trying to teach the folks there that the Bible is the inspired word of God. Uh-huh. Uh, I was challenged about the Quran. Was a little more prevalent over there at the time. Well, I mean, they were they they had they they knew of the Quran as well as they knew of the Bible. They had never studied either one of them particularly. But okay. the question posed to me, which I thought is a fair question: Have you ever read the, the Quran cover to cover? I mean, have you read it all? No, I haven't. I hadn't either. I never have. Not not before then. Not since then. Okay. I've read quotations out of the Quran, but I haven't even come close to reading the whole Quran. Like I've read the. Whole, I mean, I, I have read the whole Bible, and we, we spend a lot of time reading the Bible, and so. This young man in Russia said, how can you say that the Quran is not true when you haven't even read it all? Right. Well, that seems like a fair question. Okay. Now, how are we going to answer that question short of reading every passage in the Quran, reading every passage in the Book of Mormon and the other? That's not the only book. That, no, that no, you're going to have a long list of You've got books. Doctrines and Covenants. You've got The Pearl of Great Price. Joseph Smith wrote a number of other things. Then we got all these publications coming out of the Watchtower Society, and that's just a drop in the bucket. I mean, men are writing new books by by the thousands, and they're being published at rates that we can't even keep up with. Short of reading everything that men have written, how do we know? We're saying the Bible is the unique, finished, final revelation of God. Mm-hmm. How do we know when we haven't read all the others? And is that the only way that we're going to be able to maintain our, our conviction that the Bible is the only written word of God? My answer to that is I don't have to. Yes. I don't have to read all the Quran. I don't have to read all the Book of Mormon. I mean, it's interesting to read passages yes. to analyze some of what's being said there. But once I have found the truth, mm-hmm. and it is absolute, then I can stop looking. Right. right? Uh, when, I, did when we, that. I did that the other night. You did what? Well, our daughter was uh, up in the middle of the night, sick, and uh, my wife sent me to the medicine cabinet for some Tylenol. Okay. It was dark, and I was not too happy about being up in the dark. I went to the medicine cabinet, and there's a there's a pile. Of, I mean, there's a just stacks of, of bottles in there. I found the you one. You guys that, are really into this medicine. Well, thing. I mean, I mean, oh, okay. I mean, not, you know, <laughs> but there are lots of there's lots of junk in there. Yeah. I found the bottle of Tylenol, and I quit. You didn't look at all the others? No. I mean, there may have been other bottles in there that would have worked, but uh, they weren't Tylenol. Yeah. And, and you were sent for Tylenol. When I found the Tylenol, I quit. So what we're saying is when you found what you're looking for, you don't have to keep searching. Right. And that's what we're saying with the Bible. When The, the Bible claims to be God's complete and final revelation. Yeah. And when the evidence supports the claim, as we've talked about last week and this week, then we don't have to keep looking. I don't have yeah. to read every book written to know that it's not from God. Right. And so that's how we have to answer that challenge because uh, actually those who, who, who challenge us in that way are presenting us with an impossible challenge. They haven't done it, and we haven't done it, and nobody could do it if they wanted to. That's true. And so we have to be ready to answer. Once we have found the absolute truth of God's word, we can stop searching. Yeah. We've got it, you know, and we got the proof that it is that, so we, we can stop. Monty, your thoughts? Well, I, <clears throat> I was thinking about it kind of like you was. And these times that I've been working on an automobile, not that I like doing it, but it became necessary. And I would tell Josh, my son, hand me the half-inch box-in wrench. He didn't have to hand me every tool, and or he didn't have to look at every wrench or every ratchet or Once every socket. When he found the half-inch box-in wrench and handed it to me, 
he didn't have to look any further. It was done. So we can understand that on what are simpler things or, or less important things maybe. We can understand that concept on other things. Yes. The principle still applies. When we found the one true word, we don't have to worry about reading every other one because we've got the right one. That's right. That's right. And uh, Lane uh, in the chat room has a similar sentiment. He says, what more do we need than the Bible? Appreciate that, Lane. That uh, We would concur. I think that's right. Uh, he referenced the second Timothy three sixteen and 17. He, see, he said he also said that Lane said it may be a benefit to us to study with a Mormon or Muslim if we we're if we were to not only show the error within their books by comparing them with the Bible, but also by a comparison with the book itself and other historical writings. Possibly. I do think that. We can pretty quickly come up with some of these contradictions, and so it, it's, and, it's you, a, it, get, and it's worthwhile to know some of those. Well, and once have you, those once at you get one or two, then you're pretty much done. When you, when, but it's good to have those at reference. Yes, yes. But uh, as far here, as you, as far as knowing that the Book of Mormon is true or not, well, they found these contradictions, and we don't. We can just you set it aside. Okay, here's here's some contradictions in the Book of uh, in the Quran. In the Quran, we already dealt with the book. Yeah, we're talking about the Quran. We yeah. already talked about the Book of Mormon. You know, we're saying the Bible is complete, perfect, harmonious, no contradictions. We've shown that the Book of Mormon is full of contradictions. Yes. The Quran is also, again, remember, if the Quran contradicts the Bible, it's got to be wrong because the yes. Bible's right. The Quran claims that one of Noah's sons died in the flood. Reference is 11, but, 42, and 43. Now, what happened? Did he fall off the back end of the boat? Surah 11, 40, I don't know. Le, Surah 11. 42 and 43 says huh. that one of Noah's sons died in the flood. Of course, the Bible says that all his family was saved in the flood. Okay. The Quran claims that Jesus was not crucified, Surah 4, 157 through 159. He was not crucified, it says, but the Bible clearly teaches that he was. So there you got a couple irreconcilable contradictions. Those are true contradictions, by the way. Remember we yeah. said earlier, you can have a copyist error that's not a contradiction. It's easily right. explained. Right. But when, when the Quran says one of Noah's sons died and the Bible says it didn't, and that's a contradiction. When the Quran, the Quran accept, or the Muslims would accept the Old Testament writing. Well, but that's that's another thing about it. Where somebody had here, I think maybe Jason. Yeah, uh, Jason says the Muslim claim that the Bible has been corrupted and new revelation was needed because uh, of it contradicts because of it, and because of it, it, it contradicts the Quran what it says about the Bible. The Quran claims to be the law, and the gospel uh, claims that the law and the gospel are from God. And that God's word cannot be corrupted. Yeah, and that's the point that I wanted to bring out there. I am getting all my pages. Yes, you are. You're in a colossal mess mess there. Uh, Uh, But both the both the uh, Muslims with their Quran and the and the Mormons with the Book of Mormon claim that those revelations were needed because. The Bible was corrupted. That's the now, Mormons, but also the, he also and the Quran, and the the Muslims and the Mormons both yeah. make that claim, and therefore yeah. they try to justify their writings based upon the fact of a corrupted Bible. Mm-hmm. In answer to that, we need to be prepared to explain there is no book of human history better documented mm-hmm. than the Bible. Yes, I mean, I, I mean, hundred times. Hundreds of times more verification of the accuracy of the transmission of the Bible than any other written book of history. Mm-hmm. Uh, that argument that the Bible is corrupted just simply does not stand the test. Uh, there are thousands of manuscript copies of the Bible, uh, uh, more even copies of versions of the Bible that confirm to us that it has been handed down to us through the ages in incredibly accurate detail. Uh, many of our listeners will have heard of the Dead Sea Scrolls. Of course, a very famous archaeological discovery in Israel was the Dead Sea Scrolls. One of the things that made them so significant was that they they were, they were, had been written hundreds of years earlier than anything else that was known at the time of their discovery. Yes. So in other words, here they had, they, they had some, some ancient documents of, of the written Old Testament. The Dead Sea Scrolls are of the Old Testament, obviously. They had some written documents of the Old Testament. Well, when they found the Dead Sea Scrolls, they now had some written documents of the Old Testament were hundreds of years older than what they had. Mm-hmm. But when they compared those Dead Sea Scrolls to what they had uh, that were hundreds of years newer, they were almost identical. That, va- that validates it. the succession of the text. Th- that validates the accuracy of transmission. Those scribes who, who made those copies believed 
what was the truth, that they were dealing with the word of God and they treated it with incredible respect and accuracy. It said that the scribes were so careful in their, in their transcribing. In other words, they were having to make handwritten copies of long written works. You know what they did? They actually counted the letters. They counted the letters in the original and then they counted the letters in their copies to make sure that their copies had the same number of letters that the originals had. I mean, they were meticulous in the transcribing of it. What's interesting about that is the person that wrote that particular copy or that particular page wasn't the one that checked his own work. He would hand it off to somebody else. And if somebody else wasn't reading the work, they were counting the letters. They knew how many letters was on each column and on each page, how many words. I mean, they were very meticulous. And if they came up with a page and they counted the letters or the words or whatever and it wasn't right, they didn't go back and try to find it and fix it. It went in the trash. It was destroyed because they wasn't going to take a chance on having a corrupted copy. All right. Chris in the U.K., who's in the chat room tonight as well, has given us some good references here on the book, on the Koran. He says, here's some contradictions. Was man created from blood, clay, dust, or nothing? He references one passage from the Koran that created man out of a mere clot of congealed blood. Another passage from the Koran says, we created man from sounding clay, from mud molded into shape. And then another passage says, the similitude of Jesus before Allah is as that of Adam. He created him from dust and said to him, be, and he was. Another passage says, but does not man call to mind that we created him before out of nothing? And then another passage says, he created man from a sperm drop, and behold, this same man becomes an open disputer. So several different contradictions. I didn't know that. Thank you, Chris. That's good information. Here's another set of contradictions. The question Chris asks, is there or is there not compulsion in religion according to the Koran? Yeah, I've got that too. In other words, the idea is, can you force people to become Muslims? Go ahead. All right. He references, I guess this is Surah 256. Let there be no compulsion in religion. Truth stands out clear from error. Whoever rejects evil and believes in Allah hath grasped the most trustworthy handhold that never breaks, and Allah heareth and knoweth all things. So it says clearly, let there be no compulsion. And then this is longer. I'm going to jump to the bottom line. Surah 9, verse 3 says, proclaim a grievous penalty to those who reject faith. All right. And then 9, verse 5, but when the forbidden months are passed, then fight and slay the pagans wherever you find them and seize them. Beleaguer them and lie in wait for them in every strategy of war. Yeah, but if they repent and establish regular prayers and practice regular charity, then open the way for them, for Allah is oft forgiving, most merciful. Surah 9, 23, fight those who believe not in Allah, nor the last day, nor hold that forbidden which hath been forbidden. Hold that forbidden which hath been forbidden by Allah and his messenger, nor acknowledge the religion of truth. All right. So again and again and again. The question there, notice that's a contradiction. One place says don't force people, no compulsion to become a Mormon. But other place says fight and kill them if they won't. That's a contradiction. That's an internal contradiction. Was the first Muslim Muhammad, Abraham, Jacob, or Moses? And 39, verse 2, and I, Muhammad, am commanded to be the first of those who bow to Allah in Islam. And then 7-143, when Moses came to the place appointed by us and his Lord addressed him, he said, O my Lord, show thyself to me and that I might look on thee. Allah said, By no means canst thou see me, but look upon the mount, and if it abide in its place, then thou shalt see me. So he's working with the same God there according to the book of Islam. Jacob does the same thing, and this was the legacy of Abraham left to his sons. And so did Jacob, O my sons, Allah has chosen the faith for you. And I ye not except in the faith of Islam. So some contradictions there. And he goes on. He gives us a couple. We won't take time to read his great work here, Chris, by the way. He says, was Pharaoh killed or not killed by drowning? Grand contradicts itself on that. Is wine consumption good or bad? And the Koran is contradicting itself on questions like that. Thank you for the long email there, Chris. And I've got one other that I had in my notes. Surah 262 says that the Christians are okay that they're saved by being believers in christ but surah 385 says they're not saved or okay because of their faith in christ all right so we got contradictions and we've really spent our whole first half hour jacob more than our first half hour dealing 
with the fact that the Bible has no contradictions and these other words do. Okay. We need to get then on to the fulfilled prophecy, the scientific accuracy, and the absurd statements and claims that other uh, books may have. Let us know your thoughts. We'll take a quick break. We'll get to your comments on the other side. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. Now you can listen to a podcast of a recent sermon every week. Find out more at collegeview.com. There's more of the virtual Bible study right after these important messages. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. Did you ever notice how easy it is for us to see faults in others and at the same time excuse the identical errors in our own lives? For instance, if someone else takes a long time to complete a job, I say he's slow. If I take a long time, I see myself as being thorough. If some other person does not do something, I think he's lazy. If I don't do it, it's because I'm too busy. If another does not extend a courtesy, I conclude that he's thoughtless and rude. If I omit the same deed, it's because it was not brought to my attention. Too often we become professional critics. We can see and point out the slightest flaws in the performance of others while carefully guarding and excusing our own shortcomings. Jesus warned about such hypercritical judgments in Matthew 7, beginning verse 1. He said, Why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. It's important to note that Jesus did not encourage us to ignore the problems that exist in the lives of others. In fact, in John 7:24, he commanded us to, quote, judge righteous judgment. But the obvious point is that we need to correct our own errors before we can be in a position to help others. Perhaps my brother truly is slow, lazy, or thoughtless. When I'm certain that I have control of these same problems in my own life, then I can help him, quote, in the spirit of meekness, Galatians 6, verse 1. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. This is Stephen Nicholson, a member of the College View Church of Christ, and I want to invite you to be a regular participant on the virtual Bible study. Your input by way of emails and phone calls are always welcome during the live program. We're also open to your suggestions about possible topics for discussion on upcoming editions of the program. We'd love to hear from you anytime. Broadcasting around the world with truth that are out of this world. The Virtual Bible Study. Take it away, guys. We welcome you back to the Virtual Bible Study tonight, and we thank you for joining us. We're reminding you that the pro- this program is brought to you by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Find out more about us by visiting our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com, or come and visit with us Sunday mornings at 9.30, Sunday evenings at 6, and Wednesday evenings at 7. You'd be welcome at any of our services, or if you have any questions about what we believe or what we practice, Send us an email. Give us a call at any time. We'd love to hear from you. We'll also remind you that you can podcast the Virtual Bible Study from our website, or you can podcast recent sermons that have been presented here at thevirtualbiblestudy.com. And thanks again. Go out to Brad Collins in Athens, Alabama, for fixing that podcast feed for us. And hopefully if you're subscribed to that feed, you're noticing that uh, that feed is working a little bit better for you. Thanks again to Brad for fixing this up there. We're talking right, real quickly, about we're talk- the contradictions. and The Bible does not contain contradictions, but these other books do. And I got an, an, another email from Chris in Atlanta uh, real quickly. Chris is late on his emails tonight. Huh? Uh, he's, well, he sent in one and then sent in another. He, this one, he's found a website that, that documents a number of contradictions in the Quran, answering-islam.org. Okay. So our listeners may want to reference that, answering-islam.org. Concerning the Book of Mormon, he said there are four documents that are supposed to be inspired to the Mormons. The Book of Mormon, Doctrines, Covenants, the Pearl of Great Price, and the Book of Abraham. There are contradictions between these documents, uh, particularly on the importance of baptism for remission of sins and what is acceptable to drink at the Lord's Supper. Okay? Mm. He says concerning the Watchtower Society publications, uh, the question is asked, who is the faithful and discreet slave of Matthew 24 about verse I think. The Watchtower Organization or Charles Taze Russell himself. One place says it is the Watchtower. The other states that it is Russell. The Watchtower claims to be the only organization to find scriptural guidance, yet it condemns the Vatican for doing the same thing. Uh Uh, And then, of course, it's numerous predictions of the end. Armageddon will be in 1914, 1941, and on and on and on. All right. Thank you, Chris. All right. is, Is Chris listening tonight? He says... Uh, he says he's been sick, uh, so he hadn't been able to do as much verification as he hoped. Okay, Chris. Hope you're feeling better, and we're looking forward to you joining us if you can sometime. Uh, uh, I got a couple other, let con- him off the hook. couple other contradictions from the Watchtower Society. 
the Watchtower Society contradicts the Bible, of course, in claiming that the earth will never be destroyed, will remain forever. That's from the Watchtower book, Life, How Did It Get Here, page 233. Of course, many other publications of the Watchtower Society say the same thing. But the Bible, of course, says the entire physical universe will be destroyed, 2 Peter 3, verse 10. And you're starting to contradict yourself because, as you said, we were going to move on to examples of fulfilled prophecy. We're moving on right now. And Anthony in Columbia says the Bible indeed contains a ton of fulfilled prophecy, much of it secularly verifiable. Again, not very familiar with the specifics of the Koran or the Book of Mormon, so I will look forward to learning some tonight. As mentioned in my first response, the Watchtower Society is notorious for fulfilled uh, for not for fulfilled prophecy, but for dead wrong prophecy. Okay. Jim in uh, the uh, in Kentucky says the simple answer is uh, okay. Joseph uh, did no miracles. Joseph Smith did no miracles and was and was not resurrected. God did not prophesy about him, nor did God prophesy about Muhammad or Charles Russell, etc. Nor did Muhammad or Charles Russell do any miracles. All three men are long dead and buried. Uh, they have done nothing to prove that their works are from God, and to make matters worse, over the years, each of those publications has been edited to update them and remove things which have been proven to be false. All of those works have come after the New Testament scriptures, which God promised contained all things were needed to serve him. If the New Testament scriptures did not contain all things, either as revealed by the Spirit or all things which we need to know to serve him, then the New Testament is false as that is the claim of it makes for itself. Thus, to admit that the Book of Mormon or Koran or Watchtower publications is correct is to deny the Bible itself. I, I got out some old notes that I had, Jacob, on the evidences of the Bible. Uh, the fulfilled prophecy, again, as Anthony said, the Bible is just literally full of hundreds of examples of fulfilled prophecy. I got long lists of them. There's no way to even begin talking about them. Prophecies about Israel, of course, but also about Egypt, about Tyre, about Sidon, about Nineveh about Babylon, even about Greece. Yeah. Um, I, gave, I, I had one, just as an example. You know, the children of Israel were carried away into Egyptian, uh, into Babylon, in my, in my nation's confusion. Yes. The, the, the nation of Judah was carried away into Babylonian captivity. Mm-hmm. The first of those captives was taken in about 606 B.C. Huh? Now, Isaiah, and that captivity, by the way, uh, by the prophecy of Jeremiah, was that the, the captivity would last for 70 years. Mm-hmm. So if you got 606, then in 536, you're subtracting, you, you not e- adding. You would yeah. expect a fulfillment. If Jeremiah yes. said it's going to be a 70 year captivity in, and it started in 606, you would think in 536, that'd you're be gonna, 70 years. Yeah. All right. Oh, okay. That's when it did end. Yeah. In 536, the Persian king Cyrus authorized the Jews to go back to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple. Now, here's what's interesting. Isaiah, in chapter 44, verse 28, Isaiah named Cyrus and said it was going to happen. But, get this, Isaiah made that prophecy in 710 B.C. So, on uh, 175 years before it happened, Isaiah said it was going to happen and named the king who would authorize it to happen he named Cyrus before Cyrus was ever born. 175 years before the event transpired, Isaiah predicted. How could he do that? Yeah. And that's just one example. There's just oh, hundreds of on. such examples in in the Bible of fulfilled prophecy. Again, as I said, I, I, I dug out an old list here. I mean, just pages after pages concerning Jesus Christ. Of course, there there are over 300 prophecies in the Old Testament that yes. were fulfilled in the life of Christ. Prophecies that he could not fulfill had he wanted to. I mean, if it, if it was yeah. just comes down a scam and he knew all the prophecies and wanted to fulfill them all, there were prophecies that were beyond his control. Yeah, prophecies like, where, you know, a guy can't can't dictate where he was born or his family uh, yes. lineage. Yes. He couldn't, he couldn't affect, for instance, the price that was paid to betray him. Right. Uh, just on and on. He couldn't. He couldn't have have influenced whether or not the bones of his body were broken or not. All, you know, just so many prophecies about Jesus that were fulfilled. And the skeptics will say, "Well, Jesus knew what those prophecies were, and therefore he kind of, um, you know, coordinated things and made things come to pass so that it would look like he was the true Messiah." But a lot of those prophecies he couldn't have couldn't right. have had any control over. That's right. Uh, Ramona in Texas says the uh, speaking of the Quran. 
The author of the Quran performed no miracles to back up his message, even when asked to do so by his followers, Surah 17:91-95. When he tried to do so later, the miracles were very fanciful, such as cutting the moon in half. That's interesting. And there was no reliable testimony to back up the miracles. The, mo- the book also uh, makes many historical er- errors, whereas the Bible does not. It claims Christians believe in things they do not, um, and so on. Um, and so he, uh, she references those failed prophecies and, uh, and miracles there. Um, uh, we've been sort of light on the Watchtower Society. Let me give you one here. Here's a case of failed prophecy by yeah. the Watchtower uh-huh. publications. In Pastor Russell's sermons dated 1914, it says, quote, the present great war in Europe. Of course, he's talking about World War One. Mm-hmm. The present great war in Europe is the beginning of the Armageddon of Scripture. Aha. Uh-huh. I don't think so. It didn't, didn't happen, happen, did it? No. Yeah. Of course, we don't believe that the, the Armageddon reference in the book of Revelation had anything to do with events in the 20th century, but so on. Okay. All right. Uh, let's take our last break. And when we get back, we've we got a couple questions we haven't got to. Uh, scientific accuracy of the Bible versus these other books. And maybe some other absurdities of these other books. Again, what we're doing in our study tonight is contrasting the Bible with these other books that claim to be special, holy, divine, religious books. And they, they fail the test, and the Bible passes the test. All right. We'll go to a break. Then we'll go to the top of the hour with your comments. Don't go anywhere. We continue right after these messages. Are you listening? There's going to be a test on this stuff. Stay tuned. The virtual Bible study will be right back after this. This is Monty Overton, a member of the College View Church of Christ. Thanks for listening to the virtual Bible study. We appreciate your interest in the Bible. It is, after all, God's message to us. We thought you might be encouraged by a poem written by A.Z. Conrad entitled, The Bible Stands. It goes like this. Century follows century. There it stands. Empires rise and fall and are forgotten. There it stands. Dynasty succeeds dynasty. There it stands. Kings are crowned and uncrowned. There it stands. Emperors decree its extermination. There it stands. Atheists rail against it. There it stands. Agnostics smile cynically. There it stands. Profane, prayerless punsters caricature it. There it stands. Unbelief abandons it. There it stands. Higher critics deny its claimed inspiration. There it stands. The flames are kindled against it. There it stands. The tooth of time gnaws but makes no dent in it. There it stands. Infidels predict its abandonment. There it stands. Modernism tries to explain it away. There it stands. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. More than half of births to American women under the age of 30 now occur outside of marriage. For white women with some college education but no degree, the share of out-of-wed births has grown especially quickly, climbing from 11% in 1990 to 34% in 2009. That information is via the New York Times. The Word of God says in 2 Timothy 2, verse 22, Flee also youthful lusts, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call the Lord out of a pure heart. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Colossians 3, 17. Now, back to the program. All right, we're back on the program talking about uh, the Bible, comparing it with other books that are so-called holy books, and uh, we've got a lot of ground to cover. We're not doing very good tonight at uh, getting through the material, but uh, we've got to talk about some contradictions with well, science. Yeah, with science. We, don't want to talk about, we want to talk about the scientific accuracy of the Bible. I think we've got to make a disclaimer here at the start, Jacob. The Bible's not a science book. It was never written to be a science book. Yes. But if it's from God, as it claims to be, then you would expect that it would not contain... Basically, what's interesting about the Bible is that what's not there instead of what is there. Yeah. Because it was written in a time when men had a lot of unlearned superstitions. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the best known one, probably, the, the world is flat. And if you sail out there far enough, you fall off the edge. Right. Right, and, which sounds the, ludicrous to us, but it was the it was the the knowledge of the day. And then the world was uh, some strong man was holding it on his back, and yeah. he was standing on a turtle. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so, if the Bible was just written by men, you would expect that some of those kind of silly to us now foolish superstitions mm-hmm. would have been written into the Bible if the men were just writing based mm-hmm. upon what they knew. It's not there. Right. And the fact that those things are not there, and that wherever the Bible touches on things that science could either confirm or deny the bible is always accurate and so we're not saying that the bible is 
is written but the, to be a science book. But the principles it mentions should be va- it should valid. It should contain no scientific error, That's basically. Right. It should contain, and, and it does. All right. For instance, you mentioned the suspension of the earth. Ancient men speculated widely about how the earth was held in position. Some said it was carried on the back of a strong man. Others believed it was carried on the back of elephants. Uh, during the age when these speculations were considered scientifically accurate, the Bible stated, God hangs the earth upon nothing. Job 26, verse 7. <clears throat> the shape of the earth. Encyclopedia Americana said the earliest known image that men had of the earth was that it was flat, rigid platform at the center of the universe. The concept of a spherical earth was not widely accepted until the Renaissance. Yet approximately 2,500 years before men discovered that the world was round, Isaiah was inspired to write, He, he that sitteth upon the circle of the earth and the inhabitants thereof are as grasshoppers. The Hebrew word there, translated circle, can be translated sphere. Yeah. The Douay version translates it the globe of the earth. Moffat's version says the round earth. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, there's just lots of examples where the Bible says things that men would not have known in the day in which they were written. And Anthony uh, summarizes it for us well in Columbia here. He says the Bible is accurate on all scientific matters when it speaks of them. It is not a science textbook, but it never contradicts the laws of nature. Not familiar with specific scientific inaccuracies of the other books off the top of my head, but he thinks there's some infamous ones in the Book of Mormon. Um, Chris in Atlanta has touched on that, scientific accuracy of the Bible versus Quran. The Quran has several errors. One is that human embryos are made from a clot of blood. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, I think Chris touched on that in UK earlier. Yeah, yeah, the Book of Mormon contains many archaeological mistakes. The Watchtower publications uh, have a, have several. For instance, there is no food that is right food for morning meal. A breakfast is no time to break a fast. Keep up the daily fast until the noon hour. And he gives the reference. Uh, if any overzealous doctor condemns your consuls, go and commit suicide with a case knife. It's cheaper and less painful. What? No, where was that? He's got the reference. Well, Monty, you got one of those. <laughs> hey, you got a knife. Well, it's not a case knife. Oh, no, it's, it's not. the wrong brand. Oh, okay. This, no, is, quoted, it. It this is quoted from Golden Age. Now, this is a Watchtower publication called Golden Age, the year 19, uh, April 7th, 1926, page 438. Yeah, give it, give it again. You've got to go cut your tonsils out. You're, yeah. so, you're, not, you're yeah. going to kill, kill no, yourself. Kill, kill yourself rather than have your tonsils out because it's cheaper and less painful. I think it would be less painful to have my tonsils out, but I don't know about that. Okay, here's you to sleep at least. <laughs> this, he, this, I never knew this Watchtower publication. He's got several quotes from this. is, again, a, a, pub, a publication of the Watchtower Society called Golden Age. Here's from November 12, 1929. Sleep on the right side or flat on your back with the head toward the north so as to get the benefit of the Earth's magnetic currents. <laughs> Avoid serum inoculations as they pollute the bloodstream with their filthy pus. Stop chewing gum as you need the saliva for your food. (laughs) Uh, Here's another quote. This is from Golden Age, August 5th, 1931. Medicine originated in demonology and spent its time until the last century and a half trying to exercise demons. During the past half century, it has tried to exercise germs. And finally... (laughs) Germs, okay. Finally, from Golden Age, dated September 13, 1933, the earlier in the forenoon you take the sun bath, the greater will be the benefit effect, beneficial effect because you get more of the ultraviolet rays, which are healing. Healing ultraviolet rays. We now know that ultraviolet yeah. rays are damaging. Yes. Okay. Very interesting. interesting. Well, here's from the Koran. Uh, not to be indelicate, but uh, the formation of sperm in the male body comes from his chest, according to the Quran. There you go. Now let man, man but think from what he is created. He is created from a drop emitted proceeding from between the backbone and the ribs. Well, well there you go. Yeah. Uh, this error is important because in Islam, if one thing in the Quran is false, then Islam is false. In Islam, the Quran was supposedly transmitted directly from, to Muhammad from God. Through the angel Gabriel, therefore it cannot have even a single mistake. But as you can see, it does. All right. So again, and I, we're going to have to pass quickly on that point. But the the idea is the Bible doesn't contain those scientific contradictions. These other books do. Real quickly, Jacob, because we're going to run out of time here. Uh, what about some of these absurdities in some of these writings? Here's let me give you a couple of absurdities from the Book of uh, Mormon. Second Nephi 2, verse 22, beginning. 
If Adam had not transgressed, he would not have fallen. He would have remained in the Garden of Eden. And all things which were created must have remained in the same state in which they were after, uh, which they were after they were created. And they must have remained forever for had no, and had no end. And they would have had no children, wherefore they would have remained in a state of innocence, having no joy, for they knew no misery, doing no good, for they knew no sin. But behold, all things have been done in the wisdom of him who knoweth all things. Adam fell that men might be, and men are that they might have joy. He says if Adam hadn't fallen, they would have never had children. What was the first command that God gave Adam and Eve in the yeah, garden? I think it was something about being fruitful and multiplying. Exactly. Here's from Moses 5, verses 10 and 11. Adam blessed God and was filled and began to prophesy concerning all the families of the earth, saying, Blessed be the name of God, for because of my transgression my eyes are opened, and, and in this life I shall have joy, and again in the flesh I shall see God. And Eve, his wife, heard all these things and was glad, saying, Were it not for our transgression, we should... We never should have had seed and never should have known good and evil and the joy of our redemption and the eternal life which God giveth to all the obedient. The, the, the writings of the, of the Book of Mormon suggest that the fall was a good thing. Yeah, it be. Okay. Crazy. All right. Um, uh, there's some absurd things he's given us from the Koran here, Chris has. Chris has done a lot of uh, research for us, and we appreciate that. It is not good to enter the, a house from the back. Monty, you might want to be careful about that. I know you go in your back door. They ask thee concerning the new moon, say, there are but signs to be marked fixed in periods of time in the affairs of men and for pilgrimage. It is no virtue if you enter your houses from the back. It is virtue if you fear Allah. Enter houses through the proper doors and fear Allah that you may prosper. Watch I'm that, Monty. I'm in good shape. I don't have a back door. I've got a front door and two sides. Okay, well, you might okay. be okay. I don't know. I think that one's a back door. Uh, and then uh, the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah are turned upside down, literally. Uh, we are messengers from thy Lord. By no means shall they reach thee. Uh, now travel with thy family. I guess they're talking to Lot here. The angels were. Uh, while ye part, uh, while, ye, while yet a part of the night remains, and let not any of you look back. But thy wife will remain behind. To her will happen what happens to the people. Morning is their time appointed. It is not... Uh, is not the morning nigh uh, when our decree I- issued we turned the cities upside down and rained down on them brimstones hard as baked clay spread layer on layer and we turned the cities upside down and rained on them bridge to brimstone so he says they they're turning the cities upside down right. um, quickly let's let's uh, let's hold on that and oh go, you got something else jesus apparently spoke in the cradle in uh, sort of 1929 through 30, but she pointed to the babe. They said, how can we talk to one who is a child in the cradle? And he said, apparently, Jesus, I indeed am a servant of Allah. You have given me revelation to make me a prophet. So they got Jesus talking in the, in, in the cradle. Yeah. All right. The last thing that we suggested is, are, are there any other proofs of inspiration that we think are significant for the Bible? And And, and there are some others that we could cite. Again, we're doing an overview here, and we're just about out of time. But, for instance, history and archaeology. The Bible's not a history book, but you would expect that when it talks about things that happened historically, it would be accurate. It is, uh, and archaeologists continue to discover the ac- historical accuracy of the Bible. For instance, here's, here's a, a quote from uh, a Jewish archaeologist named Nelson Gluck. He said, it may be stated categorically, categorically, that no archaeological discovery has ever controverted a biblical reference. Scores of archaeological findings have been made which confirm in clear outline or exact detail historical statements in the Bible. And and so, again, we the Bible's not a history book. It's not a general history book. It's a specific history book of the descendants of Abraham. You'd expect it to be accurate historically, and it is. Mm-hmm. We could talk the same thing about geography. The Bible's not a geography book, but it makes a lot of geographical references. They're all accurate. They'd yes. have to be. If it's from God, you wouldn't expect any errors in right. that regard. Right. And study of geography confirms the Bible, and so on, and so on, and so on. We're out well, of time, Jacob. It is. It's uh, been a quick hour and a lot of material. And I think it just shows us there's a lot of material to prove that the Scriptures are, in fact, inspired by God. Uh, lots of proof, lots of evidences, and uh, when you compare other writings to the Bible, they pale in comparison. Uh, they simply do not hold up to the scrutiny. Uh, Dad, thank you for a good discussion. Anything else that we need to uh, Well, I see uh, that in the chat room our video was cutting in and out. 
they're saying. In the I think it's. I think we're. Well, they've been able to keep I think, watching. Yeah, I think so. Maybe we had a little glitch there, but uh, hopefully we got got it mostly across to you. I All think right. it's an important study. I think as as Bible believers, we got to be ready to defend the Bible, and and we're going to be challenged about the Quran, about the Book of Mormon, about the Watchtower publications, and about a lot of other things. We've got the absolute truth in the Word of God. And then when we take some time to contrast it to the others, it just brings the point home even more clearly. All right, Monty, your final thoughts. Well, it's been a good study, and I think as we discussed, it's important to understand that the Bible is the true and accurate Word of God and that we do need to understand that these other works have errors in them and be able to point them out to people to help teach them. And if you ever get tonsillitis, we're coming to your house and we're getting rid of all your pocket knives. I have a case knife at home. (laughs) We're going to get rid of that if you get the tonsillitis. All right. Well, Dad, thank you for your time tonight. Thanks, Jacob. And thank you, Monty, for being here. Thank Appreciate you. your time. Thank you for joining us on the virtual Bible study. We hope you benefited from our study and discussion of God's Word. Again, if you have any questions about anything we've studied or discussed on the program, we welcome them at any time. Questions at collegeview.com. We also welcome your suggestions for future topics of discussion on the virtual Bible study. Send them again to questions at collegeview.com. We hope you'll make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the virtual Bible study. And in the meantime, we encourage you But God first in your life, study his inspired word, the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the virtual Bible study brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.